Experiencing God unreserved, we have said, is each one's agenda from now till we're dead. As we move from the fall to the bright Christmas season, we know above all, Jesus is the reason. Experiencing Christmas means something different to each. Some even say it must be shared at the beach. Here at New Life, we'll share some iconic symbols and such in hopes every life will be powerfully touched. What would Christmas be like without a gathering so real as the delicious, delectable Christmas meal? Of course, there are sounds, there are feelings in sight, but what would it be without the Christmas lights? Christmas movies galore, golly gosh, golly gee. And what's more iconic than a beautiful tree? We often get caught during the season so bright, talking about the sails and the snow oh so white. Of course, every message will help us with living and remind us only one gift always keeps giving. Morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. If you're here for the first time or watching online for the first time, I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor. And we're in the middle of a series, actually the third week of a four-week series called Experiencing Christmas. So far, we've talked about two iconic symbols of Christmas, the Christmas meal and Christmas lights. And today we're going to talk about the Christmas tree and what, if anything, it actually has to do with Christmas. But before we do that, I'd like to take a little survey. First of all, I would like to ask you if you prefer, not if you have, but if you prefer a real tree or an artificial tree. Real tree, raise your hand. All right. Artificial tree, raise your hand. If you never raise your hand when somebody says raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, I got one person to do that last night. Okay, second question. On your Christmas tree, do you prefer all white lights or colored lights? Okay, so all white, raise your hand. All right, colored, raise your hand. All right, me too. Colored lights are mine too, but Nancy's is white. So I'm going to show you a picture of our Christmas tree from last year. And you can see my preferred color was not available at the time. <laughs> So anyway, um, if you were here a couple weekends ago when we kicked off the series, I mentioned that we don't know for sure if Jesus was born on December 25th. In fact, most people believe that December 25th was actually taken over as the date for Jesus' birth because it was actually the celebration of Saturnalia. Saturnalia sounds like Saturn because it is. Saturn was a nature deity. And what they did on December 25th, actually the week leading up to December 25th, they had this drunken orgy basically in the Roman culture because they believed that the sun who had been weakened all through the fall, you know how it's shorter and shorter days, was coming back to full strength. And so they had this celebration and the early Christians said, let's just get rid of that and let's come up with something, um, you know, focuses on Jesus. Well, what would be better to focus on Jesus than his birthday? In the same way, you probably would be able to guess that the Christmas tree was not about Christmas. Actually, there have been evergreen trees probably ever since God created the planet, right? But anyway, what happened was during the celebration of Saturnalia, one of the chief decorations were evergreen trees because evergreen trees symbolize eternity and eternal life. The Druids, the Vikings, and many other pagan cultures also used the tree, the evergreen tree, to symbolize eternal life. So how did the Christmas tree become associated with Jesus' birth? Well, actually, we can thank the Germans for that. Biblical scholars, I guess it's church historians, tell us that in about the 1400s, 1500s, somewhere in there, 
the German Christians started using the evergreen tree to symbolize Christmas. There, there was a transition time when it was actually an Adam and Eve tree and it symbolized creation, but then it switched and it became the evergreen tree for Christmas. It symbolized Christmas. And many biblical scholars, I guess it's again, church historians believe Martin Luther, the great Lutheran reformer, um, was the first one to use candles on his Christmas tree. Now, I've always thought that candles on a Christmas tree, really bad idea, right? But anyway, apparently Martin Luther was walking outside in the, you know, Christmas season and he saw an evergreen tree and it was night. And so he saw the stars twinkling through the branches and he thought, oh, we, we need to, you know, simulate that. So they put candles on the branches of their Christmas tree. Anyway, we don't know if that happened either, but that's the tradition. And somehow that pagan symbol, which symbolized eternal life, came to symbolize Jesus' birth. And we could say, you know, any evergreen tree obviously could symbolize eternal life because they're evergreen. So what we're going to do today is ask, well, what does all that have to do with the celebration of Jesus' birth? And we're going to tie those two together, the Christmas tree and Jesus' birth, um, through our take-home point. And if you're here or watching online for the first time, the take-home point is the one point that we glean from Scripture. We tie it into some practical reality that we can live out in our daily lives in the week ahead. So here it is. As the Christmas tree was borrowed from pagan ritual and redeemed by the church, so Jesus came to redeem us from our brokenness. The church has a history of redeeming pagan rituals and making them Christian. Now, the challenge with that is when we take something from a pagan background and we apply it into our Christian, you know, reality, we can forget sometimes what the Christian reality is and still focus on the pagan tradition. And, and the, the Puritans in the early culture of America were so afraid that would happen that in the 1600s, the Puritans got a law passed in Massachusetts that for forbid anybody to celebrate Christmas by having a Christmas tree or any other Christmas decoration. Actually, the only decorations that there weren't any decorations, the only thing you could do to celebrate Jesus' birthday was go to a worship service on his birthday, December 25th. Other than that, no celebration of any kind that had any kind of symbol. Now that's sort of, you know, Sort of like what Pastor Mark talked about last week when he was talking about Christian lights, how sometimes Christians try to get everybody in the culture to conform. And what he said, a very important thing is, insisting that others recognize the lordship of Jesus does not mean we are drawing closer to Jesus. You see, whether we have a real Christmas tree or an artificial one, whether we have white lights or whether we have colored lights, that doesn't tell people how devoted to Jesus we are or even if we're devoted to Jesus. The only thing that really tells us if we're devoted to Jesus is how we live out the relationship that Jesus Christ brought to us by redeeming us. And I want to focus on that word redeem for a moment because the word redeem, a word we don't use very much in our culture, thankfully, has to do with slavery and freedom. Redemption is to free somebody from slavery. And we know that culture in America allowed for human beings to be bought and sold until the late 1800s. And, and we're not naive enough in the 21st century to think that there aren't people still being bought and sold in the world today. But the idea of redemption is such a powerful idea that somebody can purchase a person from slavery into freedom. And Jesus, when we talk about Jesus being our redeemer, what he is, is the one who purchased our lives from sin and death into the freedom of a new life that is eternal. And, and when I think about that, every time I think about that, 
the first thing I think about in this time of year, it's easy to think about, is Jesus left heaven. Heaven's perfect. I mean, I've never been there. I'm planning to go there. But, you know, heaven is perfect. And there was God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they were perfect. And they, they, they enjoyed this perfect relationship. And one moment in history, Jesus left there. The perfect, immortal God of the universe left heaven to come to earth as a baby. That's what we celebrate on December 25th. And when I think about that, can you imagine what it would be like to be perfect? what it would be like to be God. Now, in our imaginations, we might be able to think of that or consider that. And certainly there have been people in human history who have told other people they were gods, that they were to be worshiped, but only one person has ever truly been perfect and is human and God. And that's why Jesus alone deserves our praise and our worship for redeeming us and making us whole. So what does that have to do with Christmas trees? Well, in one sense, it doesn't have anything to do with Christmas trees. They mean what we want them to mean. They're symbols, right? So for the Druids and the Romans and the Vikings, all they symbolized was everlasting life. And a, tree, a Christmas tree can certainly symbolize everlasting life for us. I mean, if we walk outside the door and we go in any direction, we'll see trees. And a lot of those trees right now, this time of year in Western Pennsylvania, look dead. They're not dead, they're dormant, right? They're just dormant but they look dead because there's no leaves on them or if they have leaves, the leaves are brown and brittle. But then we look at these other trees and they're green. They're Douglas fir or blue spruce or scotch pine or any of, you know, dozens of other varieties of evergreen trees. And when we see those trees, we could think of the reality that our God gives us eternal life through Jesus Christ. But what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna see directly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a direct connection between the Christmas tree and the redemption that Jesus gave us. And so I hope that every time you see a Christmas tree from now on, you'll see it in a different kind of a way. We're going to turn to a scripture that we actually looked at just about five or six weeks ago when we were in our Experiencing God series, when we talked about the third reality of experiencing God, which is this, that God invites you to join him in his work. If you were here and you have a good memory, you might remember that we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 20 which talks about us becoming new and also getting a new job description or a ministry description, if you will, once that happens. So before we turn there, would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that Jesus was willing to leave heaven and to come here as a, a little baby who grew into the only perfect human being who ever lived and that he willingly gave up his life on the cross to pay the penalty that we owed you for our sin and that he rose from the dead to demonstrate he is indeed God. And God, today we pray that your Holy Spirit would fill our minds and our hearts and our lives with the reality that he is the redeemer of all who know him as Savior and Lord. And as we think about the Christmas tree that we can see how that symbol which was taken from paganism can remind us of the redemption we have in Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, you might want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 20, and uh, it'll be up on the screen as well. But the Apostle Paul wrote these words, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. 
And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So if we look at Paul's first words one more time, we see this. He said, this means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So Jesus didn't come here to take our old lives and make them better lives. He didn't come as if our broken lives were, you know, just needed a splint, you know, to repair it and make it better. He came to give us a whole new life. And the easiest way that I've ever discovered to share what that new life is like is through this simple sentence that has two blanks in them. And if you're one of those ones who follow along in the outline, it's a little confusing because there are no, there are no words to fill in the blanks. I'll show you why. Here it is. It says, before I knew Jesus, I was blank. And now I am blank. For example, in my life, before I knew Jesus, I was angry. Before I knew Jesus, I was arrogant. Before I knew Jesus, I thought I was stupid because my dad told me I was. But after I met Jesus, my life changed. And I'm not gonna tell you that I never have, you know, a a sense of anger come up in my life, but when it does, the power of the Holy Spirit can change that and transform it. I'm not gonna tell you that I never have a thought of arrogance in my life because when I'm not living in the power of the Holy Spirit, I do tend to compare myself to other people. And I'm certainly not gonna tell you that whenever I do something that's not too bright, that I don't hear my dad's voice in my head going, you're stupid. Because I still hear it, but now I know that's a lie. It's not true because of the Holy Spirit speaking another word into my heart, the words of life and truth and peace. So Jesus lived that perfect life that nobody else could ever live and died on the cross to pay the penalty for whatever it is that's going on inside of your head, inside of your life that is not from God whether it's anger or arrogance or, or a feeling of, of, you know, inability to tell the truth, whether it's gossip is the thing, whatever it is. It doesn't really matter what it is. Jesus died to take that away and to give us a new life. And so let's go back to the Christmas tree for a moment now. How many of you remember that, or maybe even saw this, this past couple of weeks, a um, Charlie Brown Christmas? Anybody remember that? Okay, everybody remembers Charlie Brown Christmas, pretty much, at least those who are willing to raise their hand. All right, um, remember the tree that Charlie Brown brought, bought? Okay, there's gonna be a picture up on the screen. That is not the actual tree that Charlie Brown bought. That is actually a tree that you can buy from amazon.com for $14.85 plus tax, all right? Looks just like it. And if you look at that tree, how would you describe that tree? I would say that tree is droopy. I would say that tree is sad, okay? That tree looks sort of sad, right? And that represents us before Jesus Christ becomes Lord and Savior in our life. Now I'm going to show you the picture of our tree once again, which is pretty nice. Now, that's an artificial tree. The best thing about an artificial tree is if it doesn't look like an artificial tree. It's a little ironic that the Marshall family has an artificial tree. The reason is because Nancy's dad raised Christmas trees um, for a retirement income. In fact, every Thanksgiving day for years and years, he and Nancy's two brothers and I had to cut down 400 Christmas trees, bale them, and put them on a tractor trailer before we could have our Thanksgiving meal. So you would not believe how happy I was the day we no longer had that tradition in the (laughs) Fairman Marshall family, right? But the reason we don't have a real tree is because Nancy's allergic to pine. And actually, Emmy, when she was growing up, the two, two out of four of us were allergic to pine trees, so we started using an artificial tree. And again, 
whether it's real, whether it's artificial, that doesn't matter. Whether, you know, you have the white lights, oh, well, I guess it doesn't matter, or the colored lights, right? Um, but all too often what happens, we look at these symbols of Christmas or we go through the Christmas season, as Pastor Mark pointed out so well last week, you know, it's a hectic time. It's like a mess and everybody's upset and angry. It doesn't have anything to do with what Christmas is really supposed to be all about. In fact, Charlie Brown, in that show, Charlie Brown Christmas, he asks the most penetrating question, doesn't anybody know what Christmas is all about? And Linus says, I know what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And of course, they're practicing the Christmas pageant, right? And, and Linus says, lights, please. And, and the lights come up, you know, and, and he has his little shepherd thing on. And, it, and he says this, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, uh, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Linus concluded by saying, and that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about the birth of the son of the living God. And Christmas trees are about Jesus too, or at least they can be, because as we've said, Christmas trees are evergreen, symbolizing the eternal life that Jesus came to bring us. Christmas trees generally have lights, and the lights, as Pastor Mark reminded us last week, can remind us that Jesus is the light of the world, and we can live as lights, unexpected lights, during this Christmas season, right? And so the other thing that we can remember is that Charlie Brown tree, that's how we are in our fallen natural state. We might not feel that way or think of ourselves that way, but Jesus transforms us. He redeems us. So even when we see the Christmas tree, we can see that thing that was taken from a pagan tradition and see it redeemed as something that is just like what Jesus did for us. The apostle Paul reminded us what happens once we've been redeemed. He gives us an invitation to join him, uh, to join Jesus in his work. Here it is. We already read it, but I want to read it again. And all of this is a gift from God. Everything we're talking about this morning is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's such an incredible truth that God no longer counts our sins against us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And it says, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And then it says, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So we are ambassadors for Jesus. Once we've been transformed into those new creations by the blood of Jesus, we've been redeemed from sin and death. We are ambassadors. We get to tell people about our king. Jesus and about the kingdom that he represents, which is heaven. And we get to do that in our daily lives. And so just as the early church took over December 25th and said, it's our day, it's not some pagan day. Just as the church in the 14 and 1500s took over the evergreen tree and said, it's going to represent Jesus' birth, not something else. In our 21st century lives, 
we get to take the symbols that everybody knows about. I mean, if you go through American culture today, people know about Christmas meals, people know about Christmas lights, people know about Christmas trees, and people know about Christmas gifts. But the question I would ask is, when somebody in our culture sees Christmas lights, do they think about being an unexpected light to others? When they eat a Christmas meal, when they have breakfast in the morning, do they think about thanking Jesus for the sacrifice he made? Do they think about when they see a Christmas tree, the redemption that Jesus brought to us by his blood? And I don't want to spoil it, but the gift that keeps on giving, come on, everybody knows who it is, right? Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about on Christmas Eve. But does our culture know that? Well, no, not generally, because our culture isn't generally understanding that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Let's look at that statement one more time. We are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead to people, come back to God. Our theme here at New Life for this entire year is the theme of experiencing God unreserved or experiencing God all in. And when we recognize when we recognize that Jesus redeemed us and that we are his ambassadors in the world, this season of year takes on a whole different atmosphere because we're already half through the Christmas season. We've either spent or invested half of the Christmas season already. And the question is, have we been thinking about it just the way the culture does? Or have we been helping the culture to understand the difference that Jesus made and it's all about him? You know, there are so many things about the Christmas season. I told you a couple weeks ago when I started this, it's my favorite time of year, it still is. But every now and then, like whenever I see a commercial, you know, and, and they go outside and the Christmas gift is a car, I go, really? You know, I mean, like, I have never gone outside on Christmas morning and received a car, and, and I don't think that's ever going to happen. And Charles Schultz, who was the, you know, the author of the Peanuts um, car cartoons and, and TV shows, Back on December the 9th, 1965, which was when that show first aired, he was concerned about something in American culture. He was concerned that Christmas was becoming too commercial and too consumer-oriented. In December, I was eight years old. So you know it was a long time ago, right? And the thing is, if we fast forward those 54 years to 2019, and we think about what our culture emphasizes at Christmas. It's what Charles Schultz feared was going to happen. But the good news is Linus is still right. He was right on December 9th, 1965, and he's still right. Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about the son of the living God leaving heaven and coming to earth. And he was a baby, but he didn't stay a baby. He grew up and became the only perfect man ever known in history. And he gave up his perfect life for us. He redeemed us by his blood shed on the cross. Thankfully, we can stand here in 2019 as this Christmas season is going and we can point to people as ambassadors for Jesus what, is really, what Christmas is really all about. So we get to celebrate every time we eat a meal. And a couple weeks ago, if you weren't here, the next step was that every time we eat a meal, not just the Christmas meal, but any meal, that we will give thanks to Jesus for his sacrifice. And it's taken me two weeks, but now every time I eat a meal, I thank Jesus for his sacrifice. And last week, Pastor Mark reminded us that every time we see Christmas lights, we can remind ourselves to be the unexpected light that people, you know, aren't expecting. And I told him it was funny because he, he talked about, you know, letting people in whenever people are trying to push in in the, in the line in the cars. The very next day I was going to Word FM and I was down there on the Fort Pitt Bridge at four o'clock. So I had the opportunity to let 12 people, you know, merge in. 
And by the seventh one, I was sort of happy about it. You know what I'm saying? It, it wasn't really, it, it took me a little while uh, for that to happen. And then when we see the Christmas tree, the Christmas tree, we can remember that we have been redeemed by Jesus, just as that symbol was redeemed from paganism by the early church. So as we do that, people around us are eventually going to notice there is a difference when we've been redeemed by Jesus Christ, and eventually people will notice. And when they ask us about us, we can point to Jesus. The thing is, I want you to think about this. Not only all of those symbols we've been talking about are symbols of Jesus, we, we are symbols of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. Because ambassadors represent the king or the president or the figurehead of the, of the nation and the nation that they represent. And so when people look at us, they ought to be able to see Jesus in us. And when they see Jesus in us, eventually we get to plead with them to come back to God. That is what it's all about. So if you're living through this Christmas season and Jesus Christ isn't Lord in your life, that means he isn't owner of your life. He isn't savior of your life. You, you haven't yet experienced what we're talking about. Then I want you to look at some other words that the apostle Paul wrote. They're from Romans. And in Romans chapter 10, Paul said this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. So confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord simply means that we agree with God. Homologeo is the word confess in Greek. It means to say the same thing. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I'm Lord. So I'm agreeing with him. He is Lord. When Jesus says, you're a sinner, and I agree, I'm a sinner. And now he says, and now I am dying to bring redemption to your life. And I agree with that. That's what it means to confess that Jesus is Lord, that he gets to be the owner. He gets to be the one who shapes the way I think and live in the power of the Holy Spirit and you too. And so believe in your heart. What does that mean? What well, means more than it, believe a fact I mean, we can believe that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. We can even believe that he was born of a virgin. That's a wonderful thing to believe. But we, if we don't believe inside of our heart to the point that we build a relationship with him where he becomes not just the Lord, the master, but the savior. And actually, Jesus said, your friend. <laughs> he, the God of the universe becomes our friend. Then we never experience the fullness of what Jesus came to do. So what really, we could sum it all up by saying this, Jesus has the power to make us new people. That's what the gospel is all about, the good news. That's what being an ambassador for Jesus is all about, telling people that they can become new people and showing them because we have become new people. And yes, it's a work in progress for all of us, but it's a work that God has already done in the lives of those who have said Jesus is Lord. And so if you've never done that, if you simply say, Jesus is Lord, and you mean it with your mouth, and you believe what we just talked about, then what happens is, Paul says, we become a new person. Jesus said, we're born again. That's the word that Jesus used. And then from that moment on, we get to join God in his work. And there's no better time to join God in his work than the Christmas season, because everybody's at least open to the idea of celebrating generosity and love and goodness and the kind of things that Jesus represents in our lives. So if Jesus is Lord in your life, whether it just happened a few minutes ago or whether it happened 50 years ago, then you can do the next step, 
which is the, the thing that we're going to take out of here and put into action in the week ahead. And here it is. I will remember Jesus redeems broken things every time I see a Christmas tree this season. I will remember Jesus redeems broken things every time I see a Christmas tree this season. So think about that Charlie Brown tree. Sad, droopy. Think about the tree. And at the end of the show, it was you know, beautiful. And that's the same thing Jesus does with us. Maybe we're not sad, maybe we don't look droopy, but in the inside, we're sad and droopy unless Jesus has redeemed us. We get to be sons and daughters of the living God. We get to experience the life that is truly life through him, and we get to share that with everyone we meet in the year ahead. Actually, let's just go for the week ahead, because if we do it for the week ahead, maybe we'll do it in the year ahead. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we get to know Jesus as Lord and Savior because you sent him here as a little baby. And we thank you today in this Christmas season that everywhere we look, there are symbols that we can interpret to help people to experience your truth and your love in their lives. And God, we pray that we will, at least we will see them that way and that we will live in the power of your Holy Spirit so that Everyone in our spheres of influence will experience the true meaning of Christmas and know what Christmas is all about. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.